Good evening once again, fiends, and welcome back to the Midnight Mass Creature Cast. I'm one of your hosts on this voyage, Bobby Blades, and with me tonight, I have James. Uh, Chris has taken a little bit of a sabbatical. He will be, you know, back from time to time, but manning this ship with me now is uh, James from the Yesteryear podcast, who you probably know of. If not, well, welcome him. <laughs> What's up, everybody? How y'all doing tonight? I hope well. Thanks for coming back and checking this out with me. Co-captaining, I guess you could say. We're we're manning the helm. So, awesome to be yeah. here. We're so, we decided... Two tonight, pirates. Yeah, we're two pirates. <laughs> uh, two pirates on a ghost ship, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, basically, I'm your Patrick just telling you, you're good, you're good. Ship's just tearing up like... Yeah, (laughs) going down to Davy Jones' locker. Awesome. So yeah, tonight um, for my inaugural with uh, Mr. Blades, we're doing uh, we're going to talk about the Fly, the 1986 version of that. So buckle up for that and enjoy. Um, You said you just recently watched this again for the first time in about 25 years, you said? Yeah, I think the last time I watched it might have been 1992. So it's been quite some time. That's madness. Yeah. That's crazy. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yep, they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. weird hairs that were growing out of your back I had them analyzed but they were definitely not human if you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person too when you saw her socially no you're afraid to be destroyed and recreated aren't you you're changing Seth everything about you is changing oh no what's happening to me am I dying I want to know what's going on what does the disease want wants to turn me into something else oh no a fly got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when i was alone don't go back to it could be contagious i'm afraid don't be afraid no be afraid be very afraid So yeah, so this one um, is basically, again, it came out in 86, and it's a remake of the 1958 classic that starred Vincent Price. Pretty much anything with him at for that time is is gold, like Mask of the Red Death and all those other crazy, like Vincent Price is like the go-to guy for creepy of that, that era, in my opinion. So, all right, he's legend. So this one, the 86 version... You basically have three actors. You got Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, and John Getz. And I don't. Did you ever see uh, Men at Work? I did. Yes. So John Getz is in that as well, and that's kind of where I remembered him the most. And I didn't know where else I had remembered him from. And then I watched this again, and I was like, "Oh, he's that guy. Like he plays that part to a T. Like just like the jerk guy." Um, but kind of good, but not really, but yeah, he is, he is that guy. So now who did he play in men at work? I'm trying to remember Maxwell Potterdam. The third, he was the main bad guy. Um, like the, okay. So he was the landfill guy, right? Yeah. He was the, um, I think, yeah, he was, he was not the politician, the politician guy. He was the guy that killed the politician because he had, 
Um, he was dumping toxic waste in his in his uh, landfills. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Cause, yeah, because the guy who got shot in the ass um, is the politician. <laughs> yeah. Was the politician? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he thought I killed him. Yes. Yeah. Great movie. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I hadn't seen uh, this guy in too many, or maybe I just haven't remembered it. Literally, but yeah. Men at Work was memorable. Yeah, he's he's part one and part two of The Fly. He reprises her own part two, um, and then Men at Work, and that's about the only places I know him. But he plays that part to a T. Like that is him. So I give it to him for being that. So yeah, talk about getting typecast, <laughs> right? Um, Goldblum and, and Davis, I mean, this, supposedly this is before she kind of blew up. I, I remember this and Beetlejuice around the same time. Um, I can't remember when Beetlejuice came out for her, but this, I think is kind of like a launching point for her, for actress wise. And then, I mean, Goldblum had been around, I don't know when, uh, I know he was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, the remake yeah, wasn't weren't they together in Earth Girls Are Easy? Yes, they were. Okay, which was also a really creepy movie. <laughs> <laughs> they were like hairy aliens from space. I'm like, no, thank you. Um, yeah, and then you shave them, and they look just like people. Yeah, <laughs> which is standard when you meet hairy and aliens, you immediately shave them down. Yeah, let's uh, give them a makeover. Yeah, how oh, Julie Brown was in that, and she was so obnoxious. Um. The uh, the director of The Fly, of course, is uh, written and co-written, I'm sorry, directed and co-written by Cronenberg, David Cronenberg. And when it comes to Cronenberg, I mean, first off, he's got his own. Are you a Ricky Morty fan at all? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, he has his own universe in Rick and Morty, according to them, which is just basically a disgusting muck people type universe yeah it's where everyone's turned inside out they're all mutated and yeah when it comes to Cronenberg he literally is like that guy you've got obviously the fly um dead ringers with Jeremy Irons I don't know if you ever saw that one uh videodrome with Peter Sellers where his hand oh, like oh, yes. because, remember he's like messing around and he has like a hole in his stomach and he puts the gun inside of him and then it disappears <laughs> inside of him and later it's his hand yeah I mean what trippy mind do you have to come up with this stuff scanners were literally oh yeah scanners scan you to blow up um there's a movie called naked lunch where like the guy gets hooked on his own uh uh bug <laughs> extermination chemical and ends up like killing his wife but then he's also a writer and he's like right and like he ends up in like some like Narnia land at the end. It's really weird. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've seen it once a long time ago, and then I was reviewing it again recently, like reading the synopsis of it. And I was like, man, I remember this. This was a creepy movie. Um, yeah. That was by far the weirdest thing I had seen as a kid. Yeah. Shivers, which is a real gem, if you're familiar with that. This is one of his earlier where like everybody turns into like sex crazed zombies in the building. Wow. No, I didn't see that one. Yeah. That's a freaky movie. Nightbreed. Which I oh, actually did yes. not know was his until That's I was one of looking my at favorites. it. And that is, I was hoping they would have a sequel to that one. Because at the end, if you remember, the one guy kind of like became the new evil god guy and he had the mask mm -hmm. on his head and everything. I was like, man, they need to sequel this movie and they didn't. But I thought that was actually a really cool concept. And that's just to name a few of the Cronenberg movies. So. Really? I thought it was Clive Barker who did Nightbreed. Well, maybe it is. But when I looked it up, I, huh. I was looking and it said Cronenberg. So let me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, Cronenberg did the effects and uh, Barker wrote it. Uh, let me check here. That's uh, written by Clive Barker. Okay. Yep. But. Uh, uh, yeah, David Cronenberg. Oh, he stars in it. He's the guy. He's the, he's the guy that gets turned into the. Into oh, he evil. becomes the monster. Yeah, he's Dr. Philip. Yeah, okay. That's why he's associated with it. I, I uh -huh. know that. Okay. Yeah, he's got the mask that he puts on with the little star eyes. It's freaky as all get out. 
Yeah, this movie scared the crap out of me. Same. Same. Yeah, and then at the end, because like, he does that creepy, creepy yell when he gets brought back to life and everything, and he's like, I don't know. It was, it was bad. Um, that's great. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit of insight into actors and director, writer slash with Cronenberg. Um, but as for The Fly itself, um, like I said, it was a remake. Uh, the original had where it was the scientist who was already married to the lady, the lead. And we kind of see the movie through flashbacks for the most part. Um, it's more of, she's kind of telling it to the doctor and the policeman, I think. I don't know how long it's been since you've seen the original. Um, and it has more. It, go ahead. I was definitely um, much younger. Like it was before I saw the, the Jeff Goldblum version or the David Cronenberg version of the fly. So gotcha. Uh, you know, something I used to watch on Nickelodeon or wherever those channels were back <laughs> in the day. You know? I gotcha. Yes. But this one, uh, I mean, uh, that one um, has to do with a man losing himself to the insect and being afraid of losing control. Um, so he has his wife kill him in a press. Basically they go to like some warehouse, or something like that. And he puts his head into the press and she pushes the button to kill him because she's a, he's he's afraid of losing himself to the insect mind like he's getting further and further away from what he was um and we also get that awesome scene with the white fly the kid the whole movie this kid keeps talking about this weird white fly that he sees flying around um and it gets caught in the spider web and it's half fly half half human and it's all help me help me <laughs> as the oh, giant that's spider where comes that line came from yeah yeah, so I bring that up, even though we're not talking about that one specifically, <clears throat> because the original theme seems to be more about how man will destroy himself for trying to essentially play God. Like, that seems like that's what that movie had more to do with. You know, a man uh, science taking science too far and destroying himself instead of being about a love movie. Um, this one is more of a love story to me, but, um, really gross. <laughs> really, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's actually like there's scenes in it where you have like, where they're walking on the street and Jeff Goldblum gives Gina Davis like a necklace or something like that and whispers something nice in her ear and everything like that. What you take to maybe be like, is I love you or something like that. So it's really, they play it as, as a love story, but it, it's more than that to me after watching it again and really kind of delving into it. It's, it's more. Um, oh, absolutely. So, of course, it's gross. Uh, with Jeff Goldblum morph Bloom morphing into uh, Brundlefly, which is basically a six-foot maggot, which eventually comes apart and reveals the giant man-fly combination. And that meat falling off of him as it's walking backwards is probably one of the worst things I've ever seen as a child. <laughs> like, literally in on the couch with the psychiatrist the next day. <laughs> like, it all started with my parents showing me this horrible movie. Um, and then the fact that they coined him as Brundlefly, which I hate. Um, the word Brundle sounds horrible, and then fly makes it even worse. Um, who uses vomit drop to eat it's horrible, uh, especially like the the slurping noises that they play while he does so. Like you don't oh, even have to yeah. see it happen; just hearing that slurping noise is disgusting. <laughs> so, I mean, we can get through all of that. Like it's like I think there's like five stages that they had for his uh, morphing from from regular yeah, Jeff yeah. Goldblum and then all the way to the end of being a fly. Each time you see uh, different degrees of um, things falling off, little pustules growing and all this other stuff. It was just uh, the makeup artist did a bang up job there. For sure. I think they run a lot of reward. I mean, awards for that. So my I, when I looked it up and was doing some research on everything like that, apparently it's supposed to represent aging. 
um, of man. Like as you, you know, you start off and you're young and vital and all that kind of stuff. And then you just get horribly messed up until you're old and, and, and brittle. Um, but here's the kicker for it. I, I think this is what the movie is really about for me undertone wise. So I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little, a, a real quick synopsis of, of the movie here. So, so Seth sees Veronica at a party, right? And it's, it's for like scientists or whatever. And she's a reporter. He brings her back to his loft to show her his invention. Um, and I'm guessing this may have been something that he's done before to get some action. Like, I don't think, cause he even says, I didn't know you were a reporter. If you remember, yeah. like, so he was, he just saw a pretty girl and was trying to impress her. Right. To get some play. Exactly. It had nothing to do with anything else. So I'm like, this guy's used this before. He's a, he is. <laughs> That's his technique. It's his technique. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a scientist. He's really smart. Um, and he uses this and he's done it again and again. However, this time he actually meets someone who stimulates him intellectually and he wants to pursue her. So you've got, you know, the, basically the, the bachelor aspect, somebody who's got a nice place, doing well for himself, picking up, you know, girls, a young guy basically doing his thing. So he does so with her and actually falls for her leading to a romance so much so that due to his drunken, jealous rage over Ronnie and her ex-boyfriend, because that's what he's afraid of, he makes a foolish mistake resulting in his eventual demise. So literally he's, he's good to go. He's doing fine. She helps him out a bit. They fall in love a bit. And then he gets jealous because of love and makes a stupid mistake, something that he mm -hmm. wouldn't, he wouldn't and has not done up until this point, which is fine. Um, he then finds himself transformed horribly as a result of this relationship to the point that he no longer recognizes himself, right? He's, he's turned into something horrible. Now the relationship is over and he is literally falling apart without Ronnie and begs for her to come back. She kind of does but finds it impossible to truly love the mess that he has become. <laughs> so, so, so now he's changed himself, basically kind of like representative for this woman to try and make him love her or her love him. And she wants nothing to do with him. So in the end, Seth finds that he hates what he has become so much that he'd rather die than live without her and has her kill. That is kind of deep but that's kind of like what I read into this, right? So basically, to me, the movie is about how love can li literally ruin your life. <laughs> it's a, a story of the ages or a, a cautionary tale yeah, for young lovers. Exactly. It's like, hey, you know, you got it's, – it's, it's kind of like somebody was hurt deep. A guy was hurt deep and he wrote this movie. It's like some, some woman literally ruined his life. And he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't even recognize myself anymore from what I was. I was this spry young guy getting the girls, doing everything that I could. And look what I've become. I'm just a horrible mess and I can't live without her. And that's kind of what this movie with a whole bunch of gross aspects kind of comes down to being to me. Yeah, so. that's kind of what I, my takeaway from it was, um, you know, along the same lines, as what you were saying, here we have, you know, he brings her home. He kind of falls for her because he finds out that, oh, she's not just a bimbo. Um, you know, she's actually got something to offer. She can uh, she can match him in some way. Right. But then he finds out about her ex-boyfriend uh, in a jealous rage. Oh, I'm going to jump in the pod, you know, doing stupid things to spite her when he actually ends up hurting himself and just uh it's i don't know you said it best but yeah it's basically like what when you're all in for somebody and then things go horribly wrong it's like basically you're brundlefly on the inside <laughs> you know you're falling apart you're right. rolling and throwing up everywhere and and then when she leaves he's like he goes out and he's like, oh, no, you know what? I'm better off now. Look at me. I'm better. And he goes and gets the floozy, brings her home to do the exact same thing and try and make her 
basically get to the point that he was with Ronnie on a, in an instant, like, boom, like, look, you go through the pod too. And then she's all, you know, be afraid, be very afraid. And she shows up and everything like that. But, and then he realizes after Ronnie leaves, oh no, my nails are falling off and I'm actually kind of really gross. I'm, I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> so, yeah. so where he was no longer works for him. Like that's what he must, I can only imagine how many women he brought back to his, his loft and showed them this, this, this magic trick. They couldn't get it. And he hooked up, you know, mm -hmm. here's this crazy guy with this, with this thing. And so yeah, it, that's kind of where I came at with this, um, you know, as a as an underlying story, like to mess with you kind of like psychologically. So. Yeah, and that's like some of the best uh, horror films. They it's more than just the shock of seeing something. It's kind of like the undertones that you don't really notice at first. You go back and you're like, oh, hey, you know, the, there there was kind of a moral to this story. It's not just about hacking up teenagers who are showing their tits you know that kind of thing right right and the craziness of that i mean basically what would you say the moral of like the 70s and 80s <clears> horror <throat> stories literally came down to do not have sex do not be promiscuous right. do not do drugs <laughs> do not drink alcohol because if you do you're done you're dead yep you're gonna die you know i i i i, I you think of like tina from Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, getting thrown around the room because she was dating the bad boy. I think Bobby was his name. Um, you know, how dare you? That's that's a bad move. You cannot have a guy stay over because as soon as you do, you're dead. Oh, yeah. So, um, with this, uh, I, I, I didn't... I don't know. Did you see the sequel? Did you see The Fly 2? I did, but I... Like I said, these movies that I've watched so very long ago gotcha. that I'd have to kind of revisit it once again to kind of get a grasp on it as opposed to seeing it from a child's point of view, you know, seeing it from an adult view where I can gain more perspective on these things now. Yeah, they took it. It's they took it to a different. I like that they took it to a different side. They didn't try to recreate <laughs> the same thing. It's a weird movie. It's it's an off movie. Um, it's, it's sad and it's, it's more again about like losing your childhood type deal. Um, but yeah, this, this one really used to mess me. Like I always, always like, oh, it's a love story. It's a love story. Um, uh, you know, because of this, and then really digging into it and seeing it like this, I was like, nah, nah, it's a, somebody's been hurt. I need to contact this poor guy that wrote the story and be like, bro, what happened? You know, <laughs> who hurt you? Um, it, um, the, the story, the, the movie actually has a couple move, uh, scenes that got deleted out, uh, for being too much. They, they showed this movie to a test audience as they often do with movies and, People like literally like somebody like passed out. People like threw up. People were leaving out because they were like, this is just too much. Um, one of them. But they didn't think the, the vomit was too much when he threw up on the guy's hand and then once again vomited on his leg and proceeded to throw up on his face. <laughs> that that was not too much. I mean, where do you draw the line here? I think I think by the time then they had left. Um yeah, that, that that really was that really was bad. And as a kid, you know, that was what was really bad for me. The fact that he had been mutilated. I'm like, oh, man, his hand. And then you see the bone, like when the hand melts and you can see the bone. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no, not the bone. And um, the bones were melting, too. He was losing fingers. It, he lost the whole hand. It was down to yeah. the wrist. And, and, and just sitting there watching that happen would be horrible. Um, but yeah, so they, there was a scene that, uh, Brundlefly is basically trying to figure out what he can do to fix himself. And he takes the baboon that was alive and an alley cat and he fuses them together oh, to see Christ. if he can fix it. Yeah. But, um, it literally like jumps out of the telepod <clears throat> and attacks him and scratches him all up and he beats it to death. And that freaked people out way beyond. And also, they didn't want 
to have they wanted sympathy for the Brundlefly thing to exist, and they thought that that might not be a good way to make it. So, um, right after that, that scene continues. He goes outside, and you remember when he's on the wall and he's like, "What's this?" I don't know. He lifts up his shirt, and he's got like a lump. Um, mm. when Ronnie comes, oh to stop, yeah, yeah, that one. okay. So. He, he, he falls because it starts hurting him and he falls onto the roof of like a shed and this little fly arm comes busting out of the hole. I mean, out of the, out of the wound. Like he grows this whole little twitching <laughs> arm. He literally starts to rip and chew it off. And, wow, okay. And it twitches after he does, it comes off and it twitches onto the ground. Um, so yeah. That's pretty bad. So those two scenes cut, and they actually got filmed. There was also what were you gonna say? Oh, does that show up in like some kind of director's cut or like special edition Blu-ray or something? I looked it up on YouTube. Um, you can okay. completely see those scenes if you want to see those. Um, I don't know if it's on a special edition. It I, it better be because I want to see it. You know, I'm. I, I'm watching this movie for gross. I want to see all the gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then there is a, I don't quite know how this scene fit into the movie. Um, there's a scene where Ronnie and um, her editor, chief guy, I can't think of his name offhand, are laying in bed and she's <clears throat> mad pregnant. And uh, she's having a bad dream and she kind of wakes up and he he leans over and he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And she drifts back off to sleep. And when she does, she has a dream about like this um, <clears throat> pupil, pupa sac that's hanging on like her uterus. <clears throat> and it falls apart and it's these wings and the wings open up and it's a baby. And the baby flies off into this light. And she just sits there, like, smiling in her sleep, and then the movie ends. Like, that was going to be an original ending, I guess. And oh. you can see that one, too. If you, if you look it up, you, it's not on YouTube. You have to actually look up um, Ronnie Dream in The Fly, and you'll find it. And it's really it's really bad animation and everything like that. Um, but I'm like, how does that even make sense? <laughs> so... So, yeah, yeah, so they decided to go with the maggot baby um, instead. Let me tell you how horrifying that was. Now, from the, now we did, you know, kind of give the the side of the point of view of being, oh, this is, you know, a man being torn down by love, dude. I couldn't imagine being a woman and having that maggot scene where she basically birds that thing and it's sitting there slapping her on the thighs and stuff like that. How I I wouldn't have a baby. Oh. <laughs> I, I, there's no way I can only imagine if there were any pregnant women that were in the audience when that was playing, like, what were they? <laughs> I'm sure they were handed plenty of like vomit bags and, you know, just, uh, they, they were probably the ones who passed out. I mean, after seeing something like that, I was like, Oh, there's, uh, hold on. There's something else in there. Keep pushing. I don't want to push anymore. Just yep. keep pushing. And then the a maggot, uh, uh, basically a fly larvae comes out and, uh, yeah okay I'm done uh, that really that is almost where I'm like you know what stop the movie I'm done This is you went too far with that <laughs> <laughs> you had me until then Cronenberg I'm, I'm done now this is this is too far um, yeah and you know what always bothered me when she's at the clinic and she's like, oh, I'll do it myself if, you know, I can't. And he comes busting through the glass and he picks her up and she puts her arm around his neck. Why are you not fighting? Yeah, there's, I'm not going with you. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I always assumed she was just too weak at that point. You know, she was mentally, emotionally and physically defeated. So she just kind of like gave into everything. I, I guess, but I mean, I'm just. You show up looking like a chicken nugget. I'm I'm not going out the window <laughs> with you. I'm done. We're done. I've ended this relationship. <laughs> yeah, he came through that window like a superhero, though. He did. He did. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a good jump factor as a kid. Because I remember when that thing busted out and it's like, and it's just like, holy cow. 
So yeah, he came through gangbusters. Um, there is, I, I found this out today. I did not know this. There is a scene that was written, but never filmed where he actually attacks a bag lady in the alley and literally melts her face off and drinks it. Like the little tubule thing comes out of his mouth and he starts to drink her face that he's melted. And then like he somehow snaps back into reality and realizes what he did and is like horrified by his actions. So I would have enjoyed seeing that scene because that's something they should have put in. That's that to me. I'm like, holy cow, that is gross. I mean, you want to talk about a descent in the madness that that nails it on the head. Um, There is a scene that's filmed. You can find it. I think you found it on YouTube where, you know how he, he separates the foot of the, the guy before, you know, after he does the whole hand melty thing. Oh Um, yeah. He actually, they show it. He picks up the foot and the little slurpy thing comes out and he starts to drink the melted foot out of the shoe. (laughs) 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 I gross. (laughs) Yeah. Really bad. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of melting and, and I want to take it back for a moment to the, when he, before he brings that other, uh, bimbo home yeah um and he's arm wrestling it's like only in the 80s could you get away with something like yeah. that he's like if if i win at an arm wrestling contest with you i'm taking the woman home right. <laughs> right. you know I, what rules are these what this is 80s rules i know so. this is the kind of things that like that this was what the 80s was all about i guess yep um but during that scene when he snapped the guy's arm, I actually had to, I felt it, and I actually checked my own arm to see if there was any bone sticking out because that really got to me. I agree. That, he's like, mm, mm, and then he just like, you see a little bit of like sweat and goo between the two hands. Yeah, coming. there's like, stuff oozing out of it. It's like he's melting the guy's arm yeah. or something. And then it goes, and that bone compound fracture comes out, and he just starts screaming, and she's all, and he's just like, I got you. I win. <laughs> yeah, like, how would that chick not be freaking out? Yeah. I mean, if she sees something like that, she doesn't know this this other guy, Brundle. At and all. she's like, oh, my boyfriend, his arm is broken. Why? I'm just calmer than, calm, cool as a cucumber, yeah. I want to say. Oh, sure, I'll go home with you. <laughs> right. This. I mean, come on now. That's what that's totally what I base all of my men's standards off of <laughs> is arm wrestling and and that's it. That's I don't care what kind of job you got. If you can, you know, you're steady, if you anything else, can you win at arm wrestling? Oh, you can compound fracture them. We're going. I'm good. So, <laughs> so basically you're just living that over the top lifestyle. Right, right. The hat turns around, flips the switch, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I did like how, well, I mean, of course, cause he's a nasty insect fly, how his house initially the loft was like real neat and tidy, but then it just turned into a complete wreck. Like it, yeah, like food crash cars. everywhere. And, and yeah, he was like living his, his, as he calls it, his, um, museum of body parts or whatever it was that he said in his cabinet. Oh yeah. Are, the, the Brundle fly museum of natural history. Horrible, horrible things in that cabinet. I don't know if you saw everything that was in that. Did cabinet. he have testicles in that? He absolutely that? had the whole thing okay. in there. Wow. The whole right. thing. I yeah. wasn't sure, but yeah. I thought I saw testicles. Yep. 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 He had, he had put it in the jar and I'm like, Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's not how I want to, you know, end up in my old age. Yeah. So, so the the moral of this story is that love makes you a mess. Yes. And uh, unrecognizable to yourself. Yep. And uh, if you have teleportation pods in your home, then you will try to return back to normal. You're going to abduct people. From bars, you're going to be breaking arms and all this other craziness. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be vomiting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is horrible. It's horrible vomiting a lot. I love it. He, um, 
<laughs> gross. Uh, that's 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 all horrible. I I really wished. You know, the other side of it is, just to say the ending, he should have grabbed Homie and thrown him into the telepod. Would she have made the same choice if he was, like, begging as a thing to to press the button to teleport? You know? Would he? Yeah. Would she have gone ahead and done it and seen how that turned out to see if you can get Seth back? Because the other guy was kind of, you know, a jerk anyways. So that yeah, kind of would have put dick the, through the entire film. Yep. That would have put the moral, you know, on her. To say, do I get the guy back that I love or do I save the, you know, do right by this guy who's, you know, has nothing to do with this really. So, uh, but they didn't go that route. Instead, they just melted him. So <laughs> <laughs> the one that the thing that I didn't understand as a kid that I was looking at when I was watching it or rewatching it was when Brundlefly fused with the telepod. It's like now we've got a new thing and it's... um what the hell is like? I have it in my notes here. Hold on a sec. Oh, it's now um, Cyberfly or something. <laughs> and so he's he's not just a fly anymore. He's actually fused with the pod. He's got like Terminator two legs and <laughs> little hoses coming out of him and everything. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I never noticed this the first time I watched the film. Yeah. I was too busy like being freaked out at a giant fly coming out of there. Yeah, that was horrible. I mean, it's like not only now are you not what you used to be and everything else like that, but now you've you're like fused with like you said, metal and tubes and wires and everything, and you're still alive. And it's like, oh my gosh, please put the shotgun to my head. <laughs> Do me the favor, lady. You know, which, she couldn't do it close range. She had to step back and just explode his entire head. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, which they gratuitously showed you. You know. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, here's another piece I wanted to say. He, when he's disintegrating and pulling her towards the telepod, and she's touching him, and he's all falling apart, and his eyes are coming, in and his gunk, and the meat's falling off, and she's touching it. And she keeps putting her hand to her mouth because, like, that's how she cries or she frets. She she puts her finger over her mouth. And I'm like, ew, lady. You, you, got, you got meat bits on your hand. That's inappropriate, you know? It's like, this this tastes like steak. This one doesn't taste like steak. Oh, no, not that. That's That bothered me. And she said the right line on that. She's like, are you kidding me? A, a baboon, a dead baboon just came out of there. I'm not eating yeah. that. And she sure did. Gross. Oh, boy. Gross. Yeah, yeah, I think they should have left the inside out baboon um, not, not shown on camera, maybe. Just have, like, the noises and uh, not show that. Because that was extremely disturbing. That was. It was just sitting there, like, bubbling. Yeah. The machine doesn't Like, you could see the skeleton and the muscles, and you're like, eh, eh. Yeah, it's like no, thank you. And and I appreciate why they had to do it so that he could understand. But his his theorem, he already understood that the machine didn't understand flesh. You didn't have to put the baboon through. <laughs> so thanks for that, Jeff Goldblum. That's uh, one less thing that I can uh, not have nightmares about for the rest of my yeah. life. Um, <laughs> gross. So yeah. Um, this movie did do bank at the box office. It literally quadrupled its budget worldwide. Like it, it had like a 15 mil and it did like 60 worldwide gross, which is epic. Um, Insane. Yeah. And it won a bunch of awards, obviously, for um, I think for acting and definitely for special effects. So because it went, yeah, I believe it went it, the distance. Because the practical effects were amazing. I mean, they are better than the, the stuff you see rendered as CGI these days. Yep. So I agree. definitely gives you that gore factor. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I've discussed that a lot. Like I appreciate CGI. I appreciate what it can do and how it can bring us into other worlds without whatever. But there's something about that visceral flesh melting hand melting thing that you mm -hmm. can see that makes you really feel it like oh my gosh i could not imagine seeing my friggin arm bone sticking up where my hand used to be <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> that would be horrible so yeah and that's kind of like why the the thing 
the original one, remains one of the all-time best effects. I mean, just the way that it was done. Yeah. And it's kind of this along the same lines as what Cronenberg's, like uh, Brundlefly's transformation into that horrific creature. Um, just like all the, all the steps that it took and then the makeup and everything, how he goes from looking normal young guy to this basically a leper. Yeah. Just horrible. And then they, there's pus. And I mean, at one point, I thought his uh, flannel shirt had cum stains all over it because. It <laughs> what are you just, doing? <laughs> did you spend all day masturbating? Wash your shirt. <laughs> he had to get them all in while he could because that thing was going in the cabinet. So. <laughs> yep. His Brundlefly Museum of Natural History. Uh, oh, no. It, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that shirt looks horrible. Uh, God, I couldn't eat donuts for like two months after watching that movie because I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with all of this. So, but good movie. I mean, it, it definitely, Absolutely. It definitely it holds stays up. a classic and it's, it does hold up. And I don't think that there's, I mean, you can, of course, see, you know, here and there things, but what movie can't you, um, you know, and I think that it just, it really holds up. So. Yeah, there's plot holes in everything. And so, I mean, to to have something that came out in 86 and surprisingly hasn't been remade by Hollywood yet, which is another thing. Um, right. And to be able to watch it in 2021 and still be grossed out by it. Yeah. I mean, that's saying something. I agree. 100% agree. <laughs> <laughs> I always hated his hair too. Like step, oh, stage two hair. It's all greasy and laid he down. He had the worst head. 80s hair. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> so, no, just horrible. Yuck. Um, yeah. Uh, so that is, that is the fly. That is what. Yeah. Uh, that is the fly indeed. Um, all right. Yeah. So trivia time. Um, let's see. So I, I like this. So after watching some of his early films, director Martin Scorsese asked to meet David Cronenberg. Upon meeting him, Scorsese said he looked like a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. This inspired Cronenberg to give himself a cameo as a doctor, which I didn't know that. I guess he is he the doctor that is going to perform the 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 abortion? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is he the abortion doctor or because they didn't show the birth scene, so uh, unless oh, the, the dream maggot. doctor, maybe mm. yeah, the maggot baby doctor, yeah. Oh, Interesting, yeah, because there are two scenes. There's the abortion doctor, and then there's the dream. Let's see. Huh. I was hoping it would tell me right offhand, but apparently it doesn't. So, hmm. anyway, that's interesting. Yeah, Martin Scorsese saying you look like a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. Yeah, Scorsese's a whole nother horse of a different color when it comes to to filmmaking. So yeah. I like him and yeah. his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, so in a 1987 interview on Sinister Image, Vincent Price revealed that when this remake was released, Jeff Goldblum wrote him a letter saying, I hope you like it as much as I liked yours. Vincent Price was touched by the letter as he composed a reply and went to see the film, which he described as wonderful right up to a certain point. It went a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> it went a little too far. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's on point. Um, really pushing the envelope. I, he's like, so uh, I like what you did here. Not so much here. Um, the vomit drop probably did it for him. That's probably when he was like, uh, <laughs> the inside out baboon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. And like people wanted to get pet baboons after this movie. People are like, Oh, I'd like, really? No, no, thank you. There's no pet baboons. That, no, we don't, we don't have that here. In, in, Those things will rip your shit apart. Yeah. You don't want a baboon. When primates attack, they generally go for two two things, your face and your genitals. This is this is proven. Like the lady who got attacked by her 
orangutan or whatever it was that she had had her ape, her chimpanzee for like 15 years, the thing one day lost its, its, its mind and decided to attack her and chewed off her face and tore her up because that's what they do. You don't mm-hmm. keep pet baboons. You don't keep things like that. <laughs> yeah. They have an entirely different set of morals. Right. Right. <laughs> Which does not have to do with your face. <laughs> <laughs> You um, want to keep your genitals intact and not have them in a jar? Don't have a pet baboon. Yeah. Um, I do like, <laughs> right? Note to self, um, no baboons. Um, so the scene where Seth and Ronnie are having coffee at the restaurant and Seth is talking endlessly was only half scripted when production began. The remainder was written the night before the scene was going to be filmed as Jeff Goldblum felt that he could add more to the character. Um, And that I did like how he was speaking really fast, doing the whole sugar thing, poured into the coffee and telling her how great everything was after going through the telepod and all that stuff. So I, I, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's just a testament to how good an actor Jeff Goldblum is that, you know, there's only a certain caliber of people that can kind of bring that out, that can improvise that kind of stuff. It's like not everyone can do that. Right. Right. And just being able to just like progress your character and kind of really own him. I think yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. So S- Serious method acting right there. Yeah. Yes, yes, I yes. wonder if he threw up a lot for this part. Uh, I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have, um, every time that I put that suit on, I probably would have because that and that shirt, that flannel shirt. <laughs> well, every time I laid on that couch, I mean, that couch was awful. Yeah. I no. hate that couch. You know, he had to be sleeping somewhere. And I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So gross. That is the worst looking couch that I have ever seen. I mean, what is that? Is that, um, corduroy or something i don't know but it's gross it is it is. it was a fold-out couch too wasn't it didn't it fold out yeah that, that yeah that was a bed a couch bed or a bed couch or something uh, no oh man no thank you no thank you 80s keep keep your couches <laughs> oh man and uh speaking of uh baboons Those involved with the making of the film, including David Cronenberg, remember that the baboon, whose name was Typhoon, was very much a wild animal and not an actor. Visual effects supervisor Hoyt Yeatman said in a special features documentary that Typhoon was once startled by the flashing light in the telepod and broke the door off to get out. Good gosh. The Wrangler and Jeff Goldblum, who is six foot four, were the ones who had to keep the primate in check. They're very volatile, and there's no such thing as a tame baboon, Cronenberg said. Jeff, because he was much bigger and stronger than the baboon, was able to dominate him, and the baboon's wrangler said it was a good thing that the baboon formed that relationship. Otherwise, there could have been big trouble on the set with some of the female members of the crew. Holy shit. I'm sorry. Dominate the baboon? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he had to dominate. How exactly does one dominate the baboon? <laughs> what does he hold him down? That's what I'm going to call it from now on when I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dominating the baboon. <laughs> you listen here. <laughs> I'm the alpha. You're the beta. <laughs> It's a good thing that he was bigger. Otherwise, there's trouble for the females on set. Hold up. What? <laughs> Why are they in trouble? <laughs> so if the baboon dominated both the Wrangler and Jeff, then the baboon would have chosen a female to mate with? Right. Is that what they're saying? I think that's what is being insinuated. Wow. And the fact well, now. that the trainer... Look, you don't offer this information up to people. You don't, you don't, if you're the trainer and you're getting paid for this, don't tell me about the dominating baboon. I'm, <laughs> I'm really just not wanting to work with the baboon if this is uh, something I have to worry about. You yeah, know, you're, you're an actor. You're not there to um, dominate baboons. Right. And assert your dominance to, to them. And, but 
Holy shit. Of but, all the things that could have gone wrong, I mean. Right. But how does one do this? It's what I want. I, I just want to know what did Jeff Goldblum do to dominate said baboon? Like what? <laughs> did he have the wrangler behind him going, <laughs> all right, you, you got him pinned down and right. pull out your penis. Right. <laughs> did he fight the baboon? Did he just flash him and say, no, bro, I'm the king, yeah. you know, this is, this is oh, <laughs> arm man. wrestle the baboon and, oh, I <laughs> did he break the baboon's arm, snap right. it in two? Oh no. How does that? That's that's, that's wild, insanity. dude. I'm I'm glad that we found that out because that is absolutely wild. I you know, they they really did have some risque stuff with animals in the 80s. Like literally, I mean, how many times did like a bear go crazy or something like that on a set and like eat the eat the trainer? Uh, right. I'm wondering that too. <laughs> now I'm afraid about the baboon situation. Uh, in the movie Damien, they uh the the omen, not Damien, but the omen when they're at the uh, the animal sanctuary and they go and the baboons come. Are you familiar with that at all? Uh, I seen it, but oh, man, like so, I said, long time ago. So all the animals, so all the baboons start freaking out. And they're at, there's actually one in the car and they had to sedate it to have it in there and everything like that. But apparently it started to come out of sedation and go crazy. So that whole scene, they just kept rolling film. The whole scene with like it being in the car going crazy at them and everything like that, like is like for real. Like it's 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 not fake. I'm like, no, thank you. You're not gonna put my no. child and me in, in danger. Yeah, because the, there was a kid and a woman and the guy in the car, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's whew. man, the things that they went I hope they got paid really good. I don't think they did. It. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, you want to be in this movie? I don't know. Well, you get to dominate a baboon. Well, I mean, <laughs> don't worry. We'll show you every possible way in which you can dominate the baboon, and he will have to succumb to you. Right. It's. Mm, I think I'll pass. It's. It's natural. It's this. This is nature in action. It's good. <laughs> oh my word! That's too much. Too much baboon work. Um. The famous tagline, be afraid, be very afraid, of course, originated in this film as dialogue spoken by Veronica Quaff, I guess is that her name is. Um, I almost said Queef. Queef, so did I. <laughs> um, we'll say Queef, I guess. Um, yeah, Gina Davis's character, um, which gets played, I mean, still till today, um, uh, that was I was watching uh, Adam's Family Values, I think it is the second one, and that's what she and uh, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adam says it says be afraid, be very afraid. Uh, so I was like, wow, that that played on, and it gets said yeah. all over the place. That's legendary now, yeah. Which is which is humorous to me. So, but not to go crazy off topic, but um, man, I saw the. The trailer. Did you ever see uh, "Stay Tuned"? Stars John Ritter, where they they Stay basically tuned. yeah, hell is basically in a TV world it's where they've learned to collect souls through the TV, and you have to survive for like twenty four hours in the TV world. Otherwise, they get your soul for the TV. No. Yeah, it's I'm really s- it's really good, but it's really timely. Like you being older, like me would watch it and you would get all the references of the TV shows and all of that stuff. But other people like as of today, they're not going to know what these dang shows are. Like it's not going to make any sense to them. And I was like, wow, this movie does not age well. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that's off topic. I was just, it just made me laugh because if you say, be afraid, be very afraid, you can kind of like point somebody in the direction of what that's from and get it. But yeah, anyway, Ahead, yeah, it's yours. kind of like people who uh the did you ever watch those YouTube now I'm gonna go off topic, but those YouTube videos where they hand kids like a VCR or a, a Walkman and the kids are trying to figure out like what the Walkman is and how it works and things like that. Yes. <laughs> okay, so that kind of reminds me of that where it's like, you know, you 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 say something that's so dated that nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Just What's- like uh Pinhead's iconic line. 
where it's something like now it is time to play or something right. like that. And yep. I, don't, I don't think anybody would get that reference anymore. Nope. Rip Pinhead. They're making him a female now in the new one. They're making it a female. There's going to be another one. Yeah. And they're making it a female pinhead, which makes no sense to me because literally that is, I mean, he's pinhead. So Doug you, Bradley will forever be pinhead. Right. You know, like, like the voice of Chucky. You don't change the voice of Chucky because that's Chucky. He's yeah. always the same guy. He's got the same humor, the same everything. You don't go and change that. Good old Charles Lee Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Dourif is amazing, though. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. For sure. So, what else you got? Um, I think that's it. Let's say we uh, close up shop on this here. Uh, I don't even know what kind of reference I was going to make now. Never mind. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My mind is down the road. Sweet. Um, yeah, but I guess that will do it for this week's episode. All right. Um, it's all right. I think we'll uh, <laughs> wrap it up for this week on the old Midnight Mass Creature Cast. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed our discussion of The Fly. And uh, me and Mr. Blades will be back next week. And following weeks uh to discuss some more movies probably um invaders from mars and then they live i would say two ultimate 80s classics that have a lot of social implications at least they live with so we yeah will, definitely we will definitely be able to uh expound upon them with our knowledge all right for blades and me i will say to move for now and we will see you next week